it is a blessing to hear God's word. And I was very blessed that when he asked me a couple weeks ago if I would do this for him. And uh, before we open up the word, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you this morning. We ask your blessing on this time, and we thank you for what we've already been able to hear this morning from your word. Please help us, Lord, to grow and to draw near to you and to seek you in our lives in every way. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. We're going to spend some time this morning talking about what we are here to do. And we just sang the song, and I had no idea what the song was going to be, but it says, Here I am to worship. And we have come to worship God. The word essentially means to bend the knee or to show reverence to someone, something. And we have come to worship the only one and the only thing that has that deserves to be worshipped, and that is our Lord, Amen. our God, our Creator. And there are different things about worship that have happened over the years. We like to be comfortable. We like to have situations exactly the way we want them. Got, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. we got air conditioning. I'm grateful for that in the summer. We've got heat. And I'm pretty sure there are plenty of people who are grateful for that in the winter. We come here to a building. We've got nice chairs. We've got a nice building. We've got electricity. We have a sound system. We have all of these things that accommodate our worship. But are those the things that really matter? Do we, if we can't have those things, if we can't sit on the, in the chairs we always sit in, uh, if we, somebody looks at us the wrong way, I wouldn't know. If somebody says, has the wrong thing to say or says the wrong thing, do we just go, well, I can't go to that church because this happened to me, so on, whatever. Is that why we worship? We're going to start, I'm going to have this all over the place, is what I do. But we're going to start in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. And Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. Now, if you don't know this, Jesus, who was a Jew, is speaking to a Samaritan, and the Jews and the Samaritans had nothing to do with each other at this time. The Samaritans were, we'll call them the leftover part of Israel that split off from the rest of Israel and, and the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, those two tribes, then were the kingdoms that we focus on. If you read in uh, first, well, Second Chronicles primarily, but we read about the kings of Judah. We don't read about the kings of Israel anymore when we come to that point in the Bible. So 
Jesus is talking to someone that that his people doesn't usually talk to, but he's the Lord, so he can talk to anybody he wants. But this is what he says to this Samaritan woman. He's telling he's already told her that that, that she will be worshiping at a they, they think they know who God is and they worship who uh, they worship God, but they really don't know what they're worshiping. But Jesus says, but a new time is coming. In fact, it is already here. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father is looking for. God is spirit. His worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So twice Jesus says we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. Does that have to do anything with the air conditioner isn't working today? Cancel church. I mean, it might be a little uncomfortable, but do you remember those hard pews that churches used to have? Wooden ones you sat on and and that's what you did. That's what you had. And you were grateful to have somewhere to sit down. We are to worship in spirit and in truth. That means even if, and it's great that we have, over time, we've had hymnals filled with hymns, we have songs that are on the projector, and we can sing those songs. What if there was only one song that we could sing each week? If we sing that song in spirit and in truth, then that is how God wants us to worship Him. There are two little, two aspects of things that I want to focus on this morning. One is our relationships with each other, as far as worship is concerned, and the other has to do with comfort level. And we're going to look at something Jesus said in Matthew 23, verses 1 to 12. This is the same chapter Tracy quoted from earlier, and I'm going to go to an earlier part of the chapter in the first 12 verses. If you go to any church in this county, in this town, in this county, in this state, in this country, in this world, you're going to find a hypocrite. No matter where you go, the church is filled with human beings and we're not perfect. All of us who are saved are sinners saved by grace. We are projects. We are works in progress. We are learning to be more like God. And some of us have got some old problems that are going to take more work than... I may not have the same problem you do. You may not have the same problem I do, but we all got little things that we need to work out. Uh, And we're all works in progress. And some... Body in the church is going to be a hypocrite. It, it stands to reason, well, it just is a human thing. No matter what you have, if it's a group, a church, a team, a uh, club, whatever it is, there's going to be somebody that's hard to get along with in it. And there are going to be people who are not team players or group functioned 
They want things the way they want them, very selfishly. One of the best definitions of love that I have ever heard is selfless, sacrificing service. I thought that was a very good definition of the word love. So, there are problems that you have, there are people that you have problems with in every church, in every group, and Jesus addressed this. There were even problems with those who taught in the church in Jesus' time. And he said, it says, Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They were the ones who were called to do this. And Jesus says, so you must obey them. In other words, they're teaching from the Word. Obey that Word. Because they are the ones who are called, have the authority to teach from that Word. But then Jesus goes on to say, do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do. Now that almost sounds contradictory, but like I said, this has to do, they're teaching the law. They're teaching the Word. And if they're doing that accurately, he says, do what they what they say to do, but don't do what they do. Jesus says they don't practice what they preach. They set up uh, they tie up heavy loads and put them on other people's shoulders. In other words, there's work to do, but hey, we've got better things to do. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for others to see on their foreheads, and this is customary for this time, on their foreheads and arms, they wear little boxes that hold scripture verses. And uh, they make their boxes very wide so people could see they've got scripture verses hey look at me and they make the tassels on their coats very long hey look at me I'm a teacher I'm a Jew I'm special they love to sit down in the place of honor at dinner they also love to have the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces. They love it when people call them rabbi. But you shouldn't be called rabbi. That's the Jewish priest at that time. You have only one master. You are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth father. I'm not going to go here for the rest of the afternoon, but there is a group who their priests are referred to as father. And actually, there's more than one. But Jesus said, don't call anyone on earth your father. That doesn't mean your dad, but the one who teaches you the word and uh, in the church. You have one Father, and He is in heaven. 
you shouldn't be called teachers. You have one teacher, and he is Christ. If I were to stand here or anyone else and teach something that is not from the Word, and, and exclusively so, I have no business being up here. I've often said, because you've seen me, I play a guitar, some other things. If my guitar starts playing by itself, I'm going to be the first one to leave. <laughs> I am an instrument. And those who teach God's Word are instruments in God's hands. If we go off and start playing ourselves, then people should leave because instruments have no business playing themselves. I'd be afraid of that. Um, So, Jesus says... uh, um, He goes on to say, anyone who lifts himself up will be brought down. And anyone who is brought down will be lifted up. That's another one of those things that sounds contradictory. But if we value ourselves more than we value Christ, we're going to be brought down. But if we humble ourselves, then we're going to be lifted up. There's a verse that says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. So, as far as relationships go, there are going to be people you don't like in the church. Whatever church you go to, there are going to be people you don't like. And as long as you are here to worship in spirit, and in truth. That is what God is looking for. And you can, uh, Scripture tells us, one of the reasons we have our Bibles is for reproof. And if you, if someone here or anywhere else is teaching something that doesn't go along with this Word and you are able and you are, are apt in the Word and you can show them where they are wrong, then in love, you do that. And hopefully in love, they will take what you have shown and say, yeah, you're right, I was, I was wrong. Or I don't agree, and you agree to disagree in love. Instead of everybody getting mad and going off, and uh, you go to your corner and I'll go to mine, and we'll worship separately, okay? Or I'll go and worship with people that are like-minded. We kind of like to have things how we want them. I was, there was a commercial, uh, well, it was a commercial, I guess we could say, an announcement for a church in Myrtle Beach that I saw on TV. I didn't see it, but uh, I had to get that. But it said, we have on Monday nights a contemporary worship. Now, that's fine, but it made me think, do we have a contemporary worship on one night? We have worship for senior citizens on one night. We have worship for middle-aged people on one night. We have worship for people that don't hear very well on one night. We have worship for... And we like for things to be the way we want them to be. Well, I'm going to spend some time talking about someone who didn't get to worship the way he wanted to. 
Starting in Acts 9, verses 15 and 16, when Paul came to know that Jesus was Lord, and he was met on the road to Damascus by the, the Lord, who said, Why are you persecuting me? And in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 15, a prophet named Ananias is sent to speak to Paul and to help open his understanding to things and also to restore his sight that he lost. But the Lord is saying to Ananias, does what the Lord said to Ananias, Go, I have chosen this man to work for me. He will carry my name to those who aren't Jews and to their kings. He will bring my name to the people of Israel. So, he's going to the Jews somewhat, but mainly to Gentiles. And then, a curious thing is said in verse 16. I will show him how much he must suffer for me. Some translations read, for my name's sake. So before Paul even gets started, he's going to be shown how much he's going, that he's going to suffer. There used to be a TV show a long time ago. They've made several movies uh, based on it. It was called Mission Impossible. And every week, they sent these people out with these impossible, difficult things that they had to do. And the tape would always say, your mission, should you decide to accept. And then they would go on with this long thing about what they were supposed to do and all these complicated things. And each week, they accomplished it. But it was truly a mission impossible. Well, God is giving Paul a mission here. And he doesn't keep anything from Paul. He's going to let Paul know, uh, you're going to do this, and you're going to suffer. So right away, before Paul even lifted a finger to do anything for Christ, he knew it wasn't going to be easy. And it wasn't. We're going to go to Acts 16, starting in verse 16, going to verse 32, when we talk about worship being in difficult circumstances. So here are Paul and Silas, and they're traveling with Timothy and Luke, who are Greek, but we're focusing here on Paul and Silas. And Luke is narrating, starting in verse 16, One day we were going to the place of prayer. Uh, people gathered at this particular place, and at uh, uh, Philippi, and they prayed there. On the way, we were met by a female slave. She had a spirit that helped her to tell ahead of time what was going to happen. Essentially, a fortune teller. She earned a lot of money for her owners by telling fortunes. Now, I read 
somewhere that this was an evil spirit. It doesn't quite say that, but because of what it is she's doing, we could almost assume that. And the way she used it also was for... I guess her status was kind of elevated among the slaves because she could tell fortune. She knew how to tell people what was going to happen, and she uh, was able, as we will see, to help profit people. The woman followed Paul and the rest of us around. She shouted, These men serve the Most High God. They are telling you how to be saved. Now, what she was saying was true, but how would you feel if you were trying to tell somebody about Jesus and I kept saying, listen to what he's saying. Listen to what she's saying. She's talking about Jesus. Yeah! And that would be distracting, wouldn't it? And you couldn't focus on, or, or whoever was listening couldn't focus on what you were saying because I keep interrupting. Even though what I'm saying is right, I'm a distraction. And that might have been why this was being done. Perhaps Satan was working to be a distraction and to turn people away. We don't know. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became upset. One translation I read said he got annoyed. Uh, maybe he said, this is all I can stand of this. Turning around, he spoke to the Spirit. Notice it says he spoke to the Spirit, not particular to the woman, because the Spirit was the one that was causing the trouble. And Paul says, in the name of Jesus Christ, he said, I command you to come out of her. At that very moment, the spirit left her. The female slave's owners realized that their hope for making money was gone. Oh, my, my. So, they grabbed Paul and Silas, likely because they were the ones who were Jews in the group, and there was a big hatred of the Jews at this time among Gentiles. They dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them to the judges. These men are Jews, her owner said. They are making trouble in our city. They are suggesting practices that are against Roman law. These are practices we can't accept or take part in. The crowd joined the attack against Paul and Silas. The judges ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped and beaten. They were whipped without mercy. Then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. 
when he received his orders, he put Paul and Silas deep inside the prison. So they were the in the inner part of the prison. He fastened their feet so they couldn't get away. Well, now this is not a comfortable situation. This is, first of all, they're beaten to a pulp. One translation said they were beaten with rods. Uh, this one says they were beaten with whips. And then they're thrown into prison, and they haven't done anything wrong. And they're basically thrown into prison because somebody's not going to make any more money because this girl's spirit is gone that allowed her to tell them what to do. Notice that her life really wasn't made any better at this point. Uh, she was still a slave. And I read yesterday, it is speculated by some, that perhaps at this point she came to know Christ when that spirit left her. Don't know, but we can hope. But back to Paul and Silas. They've been beaten within an inch of their lives. They're in jail. They're not very comfortable. They're hurting. They're, they've got sores all over them. And in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were also singing hymns to God. Paul and Silas were worshiping. And it wasn't comfortable. They didn't have to deal with the seats too hard. It's too hot in the building. They had to deal with being beaten and in jail. And they're worshiping. Now because they are worshiping in the midst of difficult circumstances, here is what happens. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a powerful earthquake. It shook the prison from top to bottom. All at once, the prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. He saw that the prison doors were open. He pulled out his sword and was going to kill himself. Why? Because in those days, if you were a guard and your prisoner, let alone many prisoners, escaped, then you received the same punishment they got because you let your prisoners go. So he was about, he was like, okay, all these folks are gone. There's nothing. I'm, gonna, I'm dead anyway. He thought the prisoners had escaped. And Paul says, don't harm yourself. We are all here. You'll notice nobody left. There must have been power in that prayer and then that singing. I mean, I know there was power, but it said that the other prisoners were listening, and it doesn't tell us that anybody tried to escape. We don't even know what the other prisoners were in prison for. But they stayed. The jailer called out for some light. He rushed in to... Uh, he rushed in shaking with fear. He fell down in front of Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out. He asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus. Then you and your family will be saved. They spoke the word of the Lord to him. They also spoke to all the others in his house. Because Paul and Silas worshipped, instead of complaining, instead of saying, well, it's, we're uncomfortable, we, this is just not the right atmosphere to worship. Look at what happened if we, in turn, would worship in that way. And I'm not saying we have to be beaten and suffer like they did. But if we would put aside our comfort level and how we might feel about some folks in the church, and I'm speaking universally because it goes on everywhere, but if we would worship at that level in spirit and in truth the way Paul and Silas did, look at how many, look at the lives we could affect. People would see that. When people come into a church, they see the atmosphere. They see how people treat each other. If people are loving to each other and to them coming in, they're going to respond to that. If people are there to worship in spirit and in truth, someone coming in is going to respond to that. Going back to Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, Verses 18 to 33. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 18 to 33. Paul talks about some of the things that he went through. This is a man that we see worshipped in spirit and in truth. Paul says, Many are bragging the way the people of the world do, so I will brag like that too. You are so wise... You gladly put up with fools. In fact, you even put up with anyone who makes you a slave or uses you. You put up with those who take advantage of you. You put up with those who claim to be better than you. You put up with those who slap you in the face. And there are people out there who will put up with anything and, and worship anything if someone does a little bit to make them feel good about themselves. Here's what Paul has to say in verse 21. I'm ashamed to have to say that I was too weak for that. In other words, he didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And he's being a little sarcastic. This chapter sort of looks like Paul has kept some things, has held back some things, and he's letting them all out now. What anyone else dares to brag about, I also dare to brag about. I'm speaking like a fool. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Do they belong Uh, Do they belong to the people of Israel? So do I. (coughs) Are they Abraham's children? So am I. And Paul came from a good background. 
He was learned in the scriptures. He, uh, he was of the tribe of Benjamin and, and was, came from a very good family. So if he was going to brag about these things, he could. But he says in Philippians, those things mean nothing to him. Verse 23, he says, Are they serving Christ? I am serving Him even more. I'm out of my mind to speak like this. I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more often. I have suffered terrible beatings. Again and again, I almost died. Five times, the Jews gave me 39 strokes with a whip. Three times, I was beaten with sticks or rods. Once, they tried to kill me by throwing stones at me. Three times, I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have had to keep on the move. I have been in danger from rivers. I have been in danger from robbers. I have been in danger from people of my own country. I have been in danger from those who aren't Jews. I have been in danger in the city, in the country, and at sea. I have been in danger from people who pretend, who pretended they were believers. I think those are called hypocrites. I worked very hard. Often, I have gone without sleep. I have been hungry and thirsty. Often, I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, every day, I am concerned about all the churches. It is a very heavy load. If anyone is weak, I feel weak. If anyone is led into sin, I burn on the inside. If I have to brag, I will brag about the things that show how weak I am. I am not lying. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus knows this. May God be praised forever. And, and then he goes on to say, in Damascus, uh, when the governor who served under King uh, Aretas had their city guarded, he wanted to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall. So I slipped through the governor's hands. This happened at the beginning of his ministry. It was almost like, this is how it's going to be, Paul. Better get used to it. All of these things Paul went through, and yet here is a man that worshiped in spirit and in truth. What should our attitude be as we worship 
and in the way that we treat each other. Let's go to Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Are you cheerful because you belong to Christ? Does uh, does His love comfort you? Is the Holy Spirit your companion? I like those questions. That's something to consider. And one and some more. Has Christ been gentle and loving toward you? Those are four very significant and important questions. And the answer to that last one, for all of us who know him, is an obvious yes. Then make my joy complete by agreeing with each other. This is still, this is Paul writing. Have the same love. Be one in spirit and purpose. Don't do anything only to get ahead. Don't do it because you are proud. Instead, be free of pride. Think of yourselves as... uh, think, Think of others as better than yourselves. None of you should look out just for your own good. Now notice he didn't say, none of you should look out for your own good. He said, just for your own good. Obviously, we take care of ourselves. We make sure we're fed and have drink and clothes. But he also says, you you should also look out for the good of others. You should think in the same way Christ Jesus does. In his very nature, he was God. But he did not think that being equal with God was something he should hold on to. He could have. Where would the rest of us have been? Instead, he made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant. He was made in human form. Dale, a while ago, said, I'm nothing. And we should all feel that way. Compared to God, compared to Christ, what in the world, what are we? And if we know Christ, we're simply sinners saved by grace. He appeared as a man. He came down to the lowest level. That doesn't say a lot about us, does it? He obeyed God completely, even though it led to his death. So, God lifted him up to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every name. When the name of Jesus is spoken, everyone's knee will bow to worship him. Every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow to worship him. Everyone's mouth will say that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
We won't argue about this or debate it anymore. It's going to be known. Even if people have not believed that, they're going to have to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And those of us who love him and know him already know that, and we're going to be shouting it the loudest. And God the Father will receive the glory. As we think about worship and comfort and the things that we like and the things that we don't like, think about what Jesus did. Jesus worshipped his Father and he humbled himself and he came to this earth as one of us so that we could be saved. He is the prime example of one who worshipped in spirit and in truth. And we, as his servants, should worship in spirit and in truth. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior this morning, this is an opportunity to come to know him and and ask him to come into your heart and your life so that you can have that freedom to worship Him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't mean you're going to be beaten like Paul. None of us, I don't think, have ever been beaten or suffered or anything. Somebody might laugh at us, but that isn't what we're living in now. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but all the rewards, all of the, the good, all of the things that will come to us that are not material in knowing Christ, are far greater than what could possibly happen to us. Paul felt that way. Many people felt that way. And they gave their lives. Jesus felt that way. And he gave his life for us. So that we could be redeemed. So that we could be saved from judgment. If you don't know him today, take this time at the altar to ask him or for where you're sitting to ask him into your life. If there's something else going on in your life and you want to pray with with anybody here, just grab somebody or me or whoever you want to pray with and, and pray together about that thing. God hears our prayers and God answers our prayers. Maybe not as we think they should be answered, but God's answer is always better than anything we can think of. Thank you for listening.